The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. So glad to have you along with us on Afternoons with Mike. Her daily here on The Shepherd, I've got with me today from Trail Life, Mark Hancock. Mark, great to have you on the program. Mike, it's great to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. You know, Trail Life, I've known about this for a long time, since the beginning of it, because of my dear friend John Stemberger, who is obviously one of the founders and originators of this ministry, and it kind of came to be out of necessity, in a real sense of the word, because of the changes that were made in the Boy Scouts. And I know that somehow you had a similar heart, and you'd gotten to know John, as we talked before we began this interview, you'd gotten to know him in Central Florida, right? Yeah, I did. Just just worked with him through the 2012 presidential campaign, and we drove all over the state and kind of got to know each other. And that that was uh, a piece of us uh, uh, being together for the beginnings of Trail Life USA. Well, before we get into more talk about Trail Life, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm married to Michelle. We just celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. And I've got two sons. Luke is 23 and uh, teaches at a classical Christian Classical Academy in Atlanta. And Logan is a junior at Liberty University and looking to go into business and finance. And I've been uh, served as a CEO uh, almost from the beginning. I started as a COO and we went on a hunt for a C- CEO. And, and about two months into that, the board asked me if I would go ahead and serve in that position. Um, but I started out before that with Trail Life. Uh, along with John and about 50 others, we met in Louisville, Kentucky, and batted around the idea of an alternative to the Boy Scouts because we saw the way that they were headed. And out of that meeting uh, came a steering committee that I had the pleasure of serving on along with John and others. And uh, eventually that became the board of directors. And then on January 1st, 2014, I stepped off the board uh, to uh, to join the staff and, and, to, and to run, take over the uh, the. the um, uh, Running the running the business right. in the organization, the Ministry of Trail Life USA. You know, when we think about that, 2014, that's just eight short years ago. And and yet it is hard, isn't it hard to believe what's happened in our country? I don't think the word or the term wokeness was part of the vernacular back then, but that was one of the early things that happened that let us know that our the ground was shifting, culturally speaking, underneath our feet during 2014 when this all happened. And I think it's true that most people would not have ever believed what took place with the Boy Scouts, number one, would happen, but I think more importantly that it could happen, but it did happen. And that's the shocking thing about it, isn't it? It is shocking. When you look at the direction that our culture has taken, uh, it's just really scary that the speed that we move breakneck speed, the speed that we've we've gone through these changes. And I got to tell you, my, my two sons are both in town right now because they're in town. For, they're both having their wisdom teeth pulled today. That's where they are right now. In oh, surgery. wow. <laughs> and so they're staying here so mom can doctor them. But last night as we were sitting around, I said, let's let's watch a TV show together. And we turned on an old Survivor show uh, from like t- like 15 years ago. And I could not believe the topics and the things that they're saying that, that today, if you said that, 
you'd you'd be canceled. They would be they would be removed literally removed from the show. But they were just in just their everyday talking back and forth together, making comments about things. And you think, my gosh, how quickly we moved. The things that we just used to be able to talk freely about are suddenly get us canceled. And so where I was talking about that last night with my sons, boy, gosh, you know, look how look how much we've changed. And I look at the beginning of Trail Life and we're writing our membership standards. Uh, we put in there the, the, it's boys from kindergarten through 12th grade. And somebody said, I don't think we should say boys. And this is just eight years ago. I said, what do you mean you don't think we should say boys? And I said, well, I think we should say biologically male children. Oh, my we goodness. Thought, we thought, that's a strange expression. But, you know, you look at it today, it's like, my gosh, that was that, that was really necessary for yeah. us to define what a boy was when everybody thought we knew what it was or what a woman is or what a man is. Those things used to be just a very short time ago. We knew what those things were. So you're right. The, the breakneck speed that we're moving this. And I got to tell you, Mike, who's paying the largest price for this is boys. You know, they're now yeah. twice yeah. as likely to be in special education, three times more likely to have ADHD. They have fallen behind girls in every single category. The depression, a 300% increase in uh, uh, depression over the last couple of years. And, and boys now, the only category they lead in is suicide. 10 to 14 years old boys are leading the way and the increase in suicides in this country. Boys are, uh, they're being, uh, they're unguided, they're ungrounded, they're unappreciated, and they're uninspired in our culture, and that's why Team Trail Life is important. And you know what makes me so upset about all of that fact, those facts, is the fact that there is this word called gender confusion that is being uh, touted, and it's almost like, well, we're doing things to uh, respond to the confusion that is there, where it, it seems to me very clear that that's, that's the uh, tail wagging the dog here. It, they're causing confusion in so many young guys because of the teaching, because of the, the mantra, and we have a complicit media in America that is just taking this message, this uh, narrative, and it's putting it out there on just about every source, uh, social media, television, movies, you name it, it's out there. Yeah, really is shocking. And again, reflecting the last night, one of the one of the things that you heard over and over again in the Survivor show that we're watching in this particular season, they separated the men and the women and they would talk to the contestants and they would say, well, the other sex or the other sex, well, we're a different sex and they're that sex. And you kept hearing sex, sex, sex. You don't hear that anymore. Now you hear gender because gender is selective. Sex is biological. And I thought, my gosh, it just wasn't that long ago we were using the word sex, and now you can't really use it anymore. You right, have, to say, right. have to say gender. And that message for boys and girls, but boys in particular, is so confusing because boys – the way that our brains are wired as boys and men is we like to know the rules. We like to know where the boundaries are. We like to know that there is such a such a thing as a as 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 a as as an, as an absolute truth, something that we can stand on that sure that isn't going to shake. And now everything is for these boys, and they've been raised in a culture. You know, you and I can still reach back and somehow find sort of a foundation for truth. You know, majority of Americans now no longer believe that the Bible is a source. The yeah, Bible and God is right. a source of, yep. of of absolute truth. You and I still have that. We have in our DNA, uh, you know, we have in our brains wired into there that there there are some things that are just flat out wrong, and boys in our culture today, they don't have that. Everything is kind of up up for grabs, and it is affecting them in horrible ways. That's why in Trail FU, USA, we're 
unapologetically Christian and we're boy focused. We think boys and girls are different and that boys need a program that's focused at their strengths so that they can, they can gain confidence in the things that biologically, psychologically, developmentally they are wired for. They, they, they can feel okay about uh, exercising those things and not be labeled as toxic or, you know, it's like boy, boyhood, some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated or something. And we're saying now boyhood is this wonderful, beautiful, marvelous thing that without those sorts of things, we wouldn't go to the moon. We wouldn't cross oceans. We wouldn't, we wouldn't dump men on the beaches of Normandy. If there weren't these qualities of men and boys, uh, wired in there by God. And the more that we take those things out, the greater our culture suffers. You know, you couldn't be more true when you say that our culture is rejecting God on just about every front. And this whole thing of old-fashioned or uh, long-standing biblical basis for a foundation, that you're right. I mean, that that is gone to a lot of the kids that are alive today. They've never heard their parents talk about God. They've never read the Bible. They've probably never gone to a church service. They've never had an encounter with God. So when all of that is pulled together and then you have a culture uh, and a media that is pushing uh, a life that is all about them, a life that is really uh, now including all of this stuff that we're being asked to believe about male, about female, about gender, uh, you know, whether you're a cisgender, whether you are uh, fluid in your gender. I mean, it, this is just being asked to, to, for us to believe it, just carte blanche. And so many do not have that background to draw from, to fall back upon and say, you know, that is truth. And we are, we're seeing the effects when, when you throw truth out the window, then anything can go. Yeah. And so it's not a surprise that we see what we're seeing, this failure to launch that boys are experiencing um, they're falling behind all academic categories, the confusion about, about who it is that they are, the lacking purpose, the suicide rates, the drug abuse, them uh, disappearing into video games. Where they, of course that's going to happen. When you put all that into the front end in terms of a culture that doesn't understand itself or where it's going or doesn't have any foundations, that's exactly what you get out the other end as boys and men are struggling. But I'll tell you this, Mike, and this is the encouraging part, is God is raising up a remnant. And, you know, we have 50,000 members now in Trail Off USA, over oh, a thousand, wow. al al almost a thousand churches. I almost said over a thousand. I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of myself. Almost a thousand churches are running Trail Off USA troops in all 50 states. And those boys in our male-centric, Christ-centered, boy-focused environment, and they are relearning and rediscovering who it is that God has made them to be. And I don't think that we're just preparing a generation that's going to be able to stand against this rising tide. I think the boys that we're growing in Trail Life USA are going to be able to turn back the tide themselves because they are going back to the principles that you and I know. They're embracing those things. They're understanding those, and you can't argue with those when it comes down to reality. If you believe those things and you walk out in those things, it will change things. It will turn back this tide, and I'm so excited about what's going on in Trail Life the growth that we're seeing there is so phenomenal. What it's saying to me is that there is this, this quiet remnant that's just waiting to be awakened and to rise up to reclaim these absolutes. And it has to happen because if it doesn't, I, who knows how far crazy can go. So, so <laughs> That's well so said. <laughs> but, 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 but we're seeing this happen, and we're seeing boys who have never heard the message of the gospel 
come to a trail life troop because they want to go whitewater rafting and they want to go zip lining, they want to go camping, they want to go hiking, they want to do some, one of these exciting things. One of these, they, they want to be challenged in that way. Boys have that and they want to be challenged that way. They show up for that and they, they're surrounded by these Christian men and other Christian boys. And in that, and in that environment, they begin to lift themselves up and we're seeing boys turn to Christ and men, they're bringing their dads in. The men are turning to Christ and we are seeing that remnant rising within trail life. I think it's going to make a difference in the whole culture. Trail life has recently released, or I'm not sure how long ago, this uh, raising godly boys as a resource. Tell us about this thing called proven process. Yeah, I love talking about that. In fact, if, if your if your listeners go to traillifeusa.com right now, they can download it for free. The Raising Godly Boys book is, is now you can download it for free right now. And at the centerfold of that book is the proven process. And that's where we talk about what we've discovered in Trail Life USA, where we actually guarantee that the program will turn boys and godly men. We tell the churches to start a Trail Life USA troop. If you do not see the boys in that troop being turned into godly men, you get your money back. I mean, mm. I know, I know of no other men. You know, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. If I had a mom come to me and say, "How are you going to guarantee that my boy is going to become a godly man?" I would say, "Well, you know, I'm going to do the best I can." And trail of you say, "We guarantee that it's going to happen." And here's and here's the four things we've discovered: boys are ungrounded. I, they they don't have a solid a sense of moral truth, and so we restore that grounding with the Word of God. Boys are unguided. You know, one in four boys now don't have a father in the household. 76% of uh, public school teachers are female. Sunday school teachers are female. Girls are surrounded by wonderful role models, single moms who are just doing a great job, a Herculean task of raising a family. Boys are not seeing those kind of, of models, so they are unguided. So we have uh, Christian men in our organization that are showing them what a Christian man looks like. Boys are unappreciated. You know, uh, in our culture today, it's like boys and girls are the same. They're kind of interchangeable. Boy Scouts who gave us uh, presidents and senators and generals and civic leaders suddenly decided one day, well, boys and girls are the same. We're gonna, we, so let the girls in. It's, there's not a difference. That's just shocking. That says to boys, there's nothing special about you. We say to boys, you are still special. There's something different about you. That 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 draw to risk and competition, and that's something that needs to be. Uh, uh, recognized it needs to be managed properly right but it needs to be recognized and so not something wrong with you you want to you want to climb every tree <laughs> that's right. just in you and then the final thing is boys are uninspired you know our culture we've taken risk and competition out don't keep score at the soccer games uh participation trophies all those things have paid a price because boys look at those things and they say listen if there's not something at stake I'm not really not that interested. Why even try? Mm -hmm. And so in Trail Life USA, we have a robust awards program where boys go after and they earn, they legitimately earn these awards. And it lets them know, hey, try something. If you fail, try harder. And they try hard and they get it. And that is a life lesson they're not getting anywhere else. In other places, boys go, if they fail, everybody says, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You're still loved. You're still okay. Well, sure, all that's true. But we say, you know what? Get up and try it again. Because we think you can do this, and and that is a life lesson that they'll take. Uh, and, and you know, we had a, a family in North Carolina. Father was taken out of the home suddenly, horrible circumstances. And the mother uh, was left with four sons, and she was a homeschool mom, had never worked or anything. Terrible circumstances. She was suddenly under a trail life troop. Scooped up those boys and says, "Let us help you with these boys." They gave them, uh, they raised the money to put the boys in the program. Another family stepped in and bought them their handbooks and uniforms, everything they need. That 15-year-old boy went on his first trip, a 50-mile hike, 
And he told his mom, he said, the first day I thought I was going to die. My legs just felt like rubber. He says, the second day it was rainy and it was terrible. I was miserable. I wanted to call you to come get me. This is the third day. We couldn't find our water sources. It was a terrible day. I, I, I don't know how I made it through the day. I wanted to give up. The fourth day I saw the summit. The fifth day I stood on it. And I learned that I can do hard things. Oh, that's now, so great. Now, I'm telling you, you got a single mom in that circumstance. That is pure gold. That's the word she used. She wrote me a letter. She said, that was pure gold to me because we were doing hard things in our house. And for my son to understand that he could do hard things, she said, that was huge for me. So we're creating that kind of inspiration for boys. I just heard last last week about a, about a boy out in the troop who received our highest award, the Freedom Award. And in his speech to the troop, he says he has a single mom. He didn't have a dad in his household. He said, I want to thank the men in the troop for teaching me how to shave and teaching me how to love Jesus. Oh. I thought, wow, that is, that's a big deal. So we're inspiring men, young men to be godly men and to grow up in godly men. So that's what you read about in Raising Godly Boys. We talk about those four things, uh, ungrounded, unguided, unappreciated, and uninspired. And we talk about how we fix those things in Trail Life USA and how you can fix those things in your Sunday school and your soccer team, anywhere that you're engaging with boys. These principles can be applied and, and help boys grow into godly men. That's beautiful. We've got about a minute left. How can uh, people who are wanting to find out more, perhaps, a pastor is listening and they say, hey, I'd like to get my church involved. How can they do that? I love that. Uh, TrailLifeUSA.com, two L's in the middle, TrailLifeUSA.com. There's a start a troop button and you, uh, where you can learn how to start a troop and also find a troop. You click on that and it's a map of the United States. You put in your zip code. It'll show you the troops that are meeting nearby and how to connect with them and connect with that troop and find out when they meet and all the details on that. So you can join a troop. You can start a troop. You can volunteer to serve in troop. We have a lot of men in our organization who don't have sons in the program, but they understand the power of pouring into the next generation. So if you're a retired man who says, listen, I need to get out of the house. Uh, I'm looking for a band of brothers to do something valuable with. Um, go there and and volunteer and find, find yourself uh, in a troop somewhere serving boys in the next generation. You know, I'm so grateful for Trail Life. I'm grateful for the fact that you guys stood up and uh, stepped forward at a time when we really needed it here in this country. And I'm so grateful for you, Mark Hancock, the CEO of Trail Life USA. And give us that website one more time. TrailLifeUSA.com, two L's in the middle. And if you can't remember, RaisingGodlyBoys.com is also a place where you can, we have a one-minute uh, one radio broadcast that airs daily on, on, on a thousand radio stations across the country. You can listen to all those and all kinds of other resources there. So hey. TrailLifeUSA.com or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Got to have you back when I can keep you for the whole hour. I know you've got to run right now, but thank you, Mark, for spending this time with us and a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Mike. God bless. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again here on Afternoons with Mike and back on my program is Colonel Retired Brian Patton Searcy. Welcome back to my program, sir. 
Mike, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. You know, we are uh, just always so interested in the, the, the topic that you really study. Uh, and recently, I know that what uh, you've talked about before really actually took place in America with a big power outage. And you, we got to be ready for these things. But there's a, there's a growing number of people concerned, very very concerned about what uh, could happen in this next year with America's uh, power grid and what happens if we are ever attacked in that way. We need to be ready. And that's really your mantra, isn't it? Yeah. So preparation is the key and it's whether it's to prevent threats from happening or to prevent these types of, to be prepared, to be able to respond to these types of events. And un unfortunately, most people today believe hope is a strategy um, they think it'll never happen to them, and so they don't prepare themselves for it. And many Texans got an opportunity to deal with that last year with the power outages That's that we right. had because yeah. of the over with what happened to the grid. Um, a lot of people had to really figure out how to do things, and um, it was. I'll be honest, I do this for a living, but it was even an eye opener for me being down here in Texas. That was not something that people expected. So my wife and I have taken additional steps to make sure that our home and our and our family is prepared in, in case something like that happens. Um, but power outages um, that are sustained for a long period of time can have dramatic impacts on our culture and our society. And, and people just have no idea about that. They, they just aren't, they, nobody's really educated them on, and they haven't thought about how electricity is so crucial to everything that we do. You can't get gas, you can't communicate, um, you can't, uh, uh, cities can't provide sanitation. Um, so that starts to become a, a, a health issue. You can't get money, you can't go to the grocery store. All of these things are are all powered by electricity. And so without that electricity, uh, society comes to a halt. You know, you're exactly right. When you think back at the, to the beginning of this country, obviously, uh, none of that was true because electricity wasn't wasn't very available and a lot of people lived in the country and rural settings and they had no electricity there was life itself was so different but now you're you're right i mean think about just the internet and how that when you just if you just knock out the internet what that does is disruptive in a major way much less losing all power like what happens in florida when we have a hurricane down here, uh, it, it uh, can be disruptive for a lot of people. They'll go days or even weeks without power, and it it really uh, shows you just how dependent we are on that very thing. Well, no, and you're absolutely correct. You know, the Internet, it, again, you can't do banking. Um, you can't uh, put gas in your car because it's got to use the Internet for you for you to use your credit card. Um, with, cause that's where, how most people in most places now, you know, do all that, you know, so there is a huge impact to just like you said, the internet, but you know, with electricity, people are just, they don't think about it. It's something that we take for granted. Just like we think that if something bad is happening, all we have to do is dial nine, dial nine one one and the emergency responders are going to be there. The problem with that is sometimes it takes 25 minutes, 30 minutes for police or fire to even get there, depending on what's going on and where you're located. And, and what has changed from how you just described it is years ago, we, we all felt we needed to be responsibility for our own safety and the safety of our families. And then we would, you know, get help from the emergency responders today. Yeah. 
people are not prepared to take care of, to take responsibility for their own safety, the safety of their families. And we think that there are people out there that will come to our rescue immediately if something happens. And uh, it's, it's just not the way it is. We've got to change that paradigm. You know, when you think about the, the stuff that was being called for back in 2020, uh, after the George Floyd uh, terrible tragedy, uh, there were so many people calling for defunding of police, removal of first responders, and some of the ridiculous ideas that came out of all of that would be that we call like a, a community organizers, community servants to come and, and help us in a moment of tragedy. Uh, you know, that was like the most crazy thing that ever happened. I'm glad that most of that blew over, but there's still this mindset that people are going to somehow take care of us when we're in trouble, but yet we really do need to be more prepared as individuals than we are. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, really what we have to do in a focus of our programs at the Paradis Group is empower people not to deal with anger and with situations with anger and violence. We know that it's a fact that when people do not have well-developed personal skills, when they don't know how to communicate, they're not perceptive, they don't understand perspective, when they don't have empathy, when they don't have humility, when they get into situations that are divisive, they will, are much more likely to, to respond with anger and violence than with conversation. So with our program, when we teach situational awareness, we teach these 10 critical personal skills, we empower people to do two things, to have conversations instead of resorting to that anger and violence. But the other thing that happens, especially when you learn and are prepared with situational awareness and you have empathy and you start caring about what's going on around you, you have the ability to help make sure other people in your community are safe. You're watching the, the woman walking into the grocery store to make sure nobody's paying attention to her or that she's walking her kids out to her car, that nobody is watching them. And if they are, you're prepared to do something to prevent something bad from happening. And, and it's when we all take, again, that take back that responsibility for the safety of our communities, like I just described, that's how we're going to make a difference. See, the bad people are, are doing these, these things because they're empowered to do it. It's the broken windows philosophy. Nobody punishes them. Um, so they do the little thing. Nothing happens. They do the next level, the next level. When our communities are prepared and we don't allow people to do these things, when we are no longer easy victims, the predators will start thinking hard if they should continue with this behavior mm -hmm. because it's not easy anymore. But we have to take that responsibility. We've all seen these videos where somebody is literally getting beaten on a sidewalk in a big city and people are walking by, driving by, uh, not wanting to get involved at all to help that individual. That's a heartbreaking sight. Well, it absolutely is. And what's even worse than that, and I know you've seen this, is people pull out their phones and they videotape it instead of yeah, helping. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. I. I do get encouraged. I saw a video uh, just this morning of a state trooper whose uh, car camera was uh, on and, and the stupor, the, the, the person had gotten out of the car and actually attacked the state trooper and three vehicles pulled over. The people got out and actually came to the aid of the, st of the, of the state trooper. That's what we're talking about that needs to happen. But see, without situation awareness and without thinking through how you would act or what you would do, People don't act and they, and they won't do that. But when we learn and develop situation awareness and these 10 critical skills and we think about 
on a regular basis by using a process that that we teach at the Paradis Group that you think about, okay, if this happens, what can I do to, to prevent it from happening or to help somebody else? Now you are empowered to take that next step, which is that action step and actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what people, why it's so critical for people to, to learn and develop habits and behaviors and a mindset and be continually thinking about how can I help? And, and I, like I, like I said, when you're paying attention to other people in the parking lot or in the restaurant or whatever the case may be, that is how you really become empowered to take action and do something. And that's where we, that's what we have to change in our society and our culture. Brian, how long were you in the military? I know you were, were in the air force and you obviously arrived at the rank of Colonel. First of all, thank you for serving our country the way you did and the way that you are. Uh, what about that uh, experience of being in the military uh, gave you the the um, impetus, the motivation to form the Paratus Group and to teach this thing about being aware and prepared. Yes, I did 23 years in the Air Force, and it was a, an, an amazing career. Um, in the Air Force, when you fly airplanes, you are consistently having to reinforce your learning. It's not something where you go to a class and then you can get into an airplane and you don't have to practice anymore. It's something where you have to develop those habits, those behaviors and a mindset. And then you also have to think through what would I do in this situation? Because what you have to do is prepare yourself and feed your, the part of your brain, I call it your, your lizard brain, where your body goes to, it's that muscle memory where your body goes to when you're exposed to a situation. Um, but it takes con- you have to continually practice that. Uh, you know what we see in our society today, just name a threat, whether it's human trafficking or bullying or suicide. We have suicide prevention month, people to get a one hour class. But nobody's empowered to actually do anything to prevent those things from happening. That's totally different, like I just explained with the military mindset, where you are consistently practicing and thinking about what would you do. That was that's one of the key foundations that mm-hmm. prepared me to talk about what I'm talking about. Then the other is uh, a process called the OODA loop. Are you familiar with that? No, I don't think so. And so uh, my very first squadron command, uh, our squad, my squadron was responsible to run the air operation, the floor, uh, air operations floor, in a in a CAOC, which is the Combined Air Operations Center. There's one in Qatar, and it runs the entire air war for Afghanistan and Iraq. And we consistently pr- practice the OODA loop. That's observe, orient, decide, and act. And what that basically says is that we know that. We can have a great plan, but the enemy gets a vote and things are going to change while we're unfolding and and executing our plan. So we have to be continually observing, orienting, deciding and acting, making Mm -hmm. changes so that we can be successful. And so I've taken that process and turned it into a process that we teach in our in our uh, uh, first responder program. And that's identify, assess predict, decide, and act. And so basically it's the OODA loop for civilians. Wow. The OODA loop. That's, I believe, the first time I've ever heard that. But what a helpful acronym to help you do that. And that is something that every parent needs to be doing. I think of the roles and responsibilities of every parent who's responsible for their young children, they've got to constantly be aware of that child uh, because of just the inherent dangers that can come even while you're at home. I mean, you can't just check out with a small child, but this is what America has done right now. We've 
trusted people entrusted to them responsibilities that uh, we're finding out should never have been given to them. And we've put ourselves in a position of peril. Yeah. And one of the other reasons why I started doing what I'm doing is that, you know, you would hear people talk about how millennials or Generation Z are lazy this or lazy that or how, you know, whatever the, you know, the com- the conversation turned to. But people were just talking about symptoms. You know, it's the same thing when we hear our politicians. They just talk about symptoms. They don't address problems. And in my analysis, you know, we all have the God given gift of situational awareness, but People today, less than one in seven people today actually know that they have this gift, much less how to use it. So instead of talking about the symptoms and the threats, let's empower people with the God-given gift and the and the 10 critical personal skills so that they can be empowered to take responsibility for their own safety, the responsibility for their the safety of their family, and the training and learning and development of their family of mm-hmm. these critical skills so that when their kids grow up, they've got those skills. Like I said, less than one in seven people today actually practice this on a regular basis. If at 10 years from now, we can get that to five or six out of, out of seven, have this skill and practice this skill, that's how we take back the safety of our community. That's how we take back the responsibility for our kids in our schools. That's, you know, really what the focus, you know, the underlying focus is of everything that we're doing at the Protest Group. Now, the Protest Group helps people to do this. You know, I think, again, going back to being in Florida, and I know you uh, don't have to deal with hurricanes quite as much as what, uh, in Texas, what the Houston area would have to do, but there is this whole emphasis that Florida has on hurricane preparedness, and we talk it up, and it, it really makes a difference. And with all that we do, with all that is out there in the media, it's one of the few times I think the media is, is helpful because it, it, it does have to happen. But with all of that, there are still a number of people that somehow just has their head in the sand. And when this thing happens, they're not ready for it. And we really do need to work at being prepared, being aware, being, uh, let's say, on top of the little details that goes into everyday life. I have a question for you. How and what do you see as the priority for people being involved in terms of being self-defense, thinking of uh, the Second Amendment with uh, those carrying weapons? Do you believe that that's part of what has been lost in this culture, or do you see that as still being important? I think it's absolutely important, and I will tell you that I am somebody that carries a, a firearm pretty much everywhere that I go. I do believe, though, that a lot of additional training needs to be done along with the purchases of firearms. I agree. 25, 30 years ago, parents were responsible to teach their kids and did teach their kids how to safely use weapons. And those kids grew up. Now people go out and buy a gun. They maybe get their concealed carry, which by the way, does nothing to teach them situational awareness, does nothing to prepare them how to use that weapon under in a stressful situation. They go to a range, they shoot a box full of ammo through a paper target, and now they think that they're prepared. We believe that the with everyday carry, no matter what it is, what weapon you have, the first thing that you have to have is situational awareness. And when you have that situational awareness and you think about the different situations you might be in, you, you learn and develop which, what you can do with that firearm. That's how you prepare yourself to use it. That's number one. But number two, and one of the things that does concern me is people think today that that weapon is the solution. That weapon, whether it's a knife or, or a firearm, 
should be your last resort. That's right. And that is one of the key reasons why in our program, we talk so much about de-escalation and we talk so much about humility. Because of my background, because I carry a firearm, I have walked away from more situations than most people have because I don't want to take it to that next level. Or, and I just don't put myself into a situation where I may have to use it. That firearm is is when somebody's life is in danger, hopefully not mine or my family's, but somebody else has their life in danger, and I will use that firearm to to, to, to defend a life. And you know that uh, you're so right because it's so easy to lose sight of the awareness of what's going on around, and oftentimes the people have used a firearm and accidentally injured themselves or somebody else instead of the the person who was the criminal. And and so there's much to be aware, but that uh, that all still begs the same order that we need to do the work to be prepared and to take the training. The Paratus Group offers that. It's P-A-R-A-T-U-S Group. Give us the website for that, if you will. And that's it. It's www.paratus.group. And they can reach out. There's a contact page there, or they can send me an email directly to Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at paratus.group. Brian Searcy, Colonel Brian Searcy, thank you for being with us one more time on the program and for giving us this really great advice. It comes at a needed time in our country. Uh, we're, we're praying for our country. We've got a lot of uh, great needs to see met in 2023. And thank you for what you're doing to help people be prepared for all of these different things. Well, thank you for having me on and Merry Christmas to you and to your family and all your listeners. God bless you. And we'll be right back right here on Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again with segment three on my program, Afternoons with Mike. So glad that you were along with us on this Christmas week. A new guest uh, for the first time on my program today, Wayne White. He's not that uh, far away from where I am right now, and he's in our Shepherd audience in Fruitland Park area, south of Ocala, is an author by the name of Wayne White. And he has written a book that is really catching some attention. It's called The Decline of America, A Cancer Spreading in America. Wayne, it's nice to have you with us today. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Mike. You know, this, uh, this subject matter, it comes at a time where uh, we're all wondering and scratching our heads what in the world is going on to our country. I saw a video this very morning of um, the border and what's happening there with uh, illegals just free nilly walking across into America in droves. And one has to ask the question, number one, what has happened to our country? Number two, how long can this go on without us stopping it? That's We are definitely seeing a change in this country, aren't we? Absolutely. And, and the interesting thing and the thing that I cover in the book is this is really nothing new. And the sad thing is we were warned about it 
for years and we stuck our head in the sand and the border and everything is all part of the same system. And I'll go back to the fact that we got warnings, uh, you know, even talking about censorship in April 27th, 1961, Kennedy at the Wardorf Astoria gave a speech on censorship. And he said, if you don't stop talking to the National Press Corps, if you don't stop uh, censorship, you're going to end up with a dictatorship. And we pretty well have that right now. And it goes back to actually the 1900s when the communists infiltrated and started coming into this country. And the problem is that all these little benign named organizations that we look at like separate little organizations like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all the others, there's literally thousands of them, all have one thing in common. Well, two things. They're really communist. And secondly, they want to overthrow this government. And that's where we are. And we refuse to call them communist. We call them left wing and and they're you know they're big word changers as you know absolutely and you know marxism is being spoken of now by a lot of people in our country as an almost positive thing as is socialism and you know wayne when we look around at our country his i mean at our world historically every place where communism has been rooted like i think of venezuela i think of cuba and we see the impact not only on the country, but on the people, more importantly, on the people of those nations. Uh, it is horrible. And, and the fact that we and our great American country would be willing to sacrifice what we've known and our liberties and our freedoms and kind of embrace this totalitarian type of government, it, it's, it is a head scratcher of ginormous proportions to me. Well, I gave a speech uh, several times, and the title of it was, and I'm going back to like uh, in the early 2000s, the title was, Ever Who Controls the Input Controls the Outcome. And the communists are very good. And let me, let me explain one thing. The reason they want us to use the word communism, leftist, what, or uh, a Marxist, they're in the Marxist country in the world. Marxist is kind of a philosophy, and communism is the implementation of that. And that's why you don't see Marxist China, you see communist China, communist Cuba, communist Russia, communist Venezuela. But communism, if you use that word, is their acrylics, uh, their kryptonite and their Achilles heel. And they hate that word. And anybody that uses it, they're gonna destroy. But most people, when they hear Marxist, they, they don't really understand. They can't relate to Marxist. You say communism, they can relate to Cuba and Venezuela. You know, that is really just a choice of vernacular that they are teaching, and it's happening, obviously, in our colleges with a great to a great degree. And these kids, they, they just don't know that they're playing with fire and they're going to get burned, and that's what's happening to our country right now. We're all getting burned. We just don't realize the extreme of uh, the extent of that, how badly burned we are. And it's sad. It really is sad when I look around and I see what uh, is being taught in the schools, the confusion among young people. Uh, it is indeed like a cancer that we just put a Band-Aid on 
and try to look the other way, and that does not stop that cancer from growing. No, what they don't know, they don't know. In other words, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And it's not just in colleges. And uh, let me let me tell you something most people are shocked to hear. The NEA, which is the National Education Association, yes. was founded in 1857 by a Marxist. Yeah. And they are the largest in the world, the largest educational organization in the world. And communism is worldwide. It's well-organized and well-funded. But it, it kind of reminds me of religion. You know, there are thousands of names of religions, but they all have two things in common, a deity and a life after death. And it's kind of like communism. You got all these benign names out there, but they all have two things in common. They're really communist, and they really want to overthrow this government. And until we start calling them communists, then we lose because we're ignoring the fact. Now, you brought up the NEA. Uh, I had a chance years ago, um, you might well be aware of this book called NEA, Trojan Horse in American Education. And it was at a dinner meeting that I got to meet Samuel Blumenfeld, who wrote that book. And we spent an evening sitting around a table talking together about the whole education system. And we're talking about now early 80s when this happened. And it's just mind-boggling to think about what has happened these last 40 years as we've seen education continue to go leftist, continue to go down this path. And so it's no surprise if we, if we stop and think about it then, if what you're saying is true, that it was founded by, and, and it was, founded by a Marxist, well, no wonder that this is the outcome. Whoever controls, you said, whoever controls the input controls the outcome. That's that's an amazing statement. Absolutely. And I'm very familiar with him. In fact, I cover him in my book, uh, which, by the way, if you'll send me a copy of your email, I'll send you an audio of it. But at any rate, you know, <laughs> we just refuse to use that word. And one of the reasons goes back to the Joseph McCarthy era. And they did a great job of destroying him. And now if you use that word, they will call you a conspiratist. Uh, they will call you all kinds of names because they don't want that word used because people understand communism. They understand how bad it is, um, you know, and, and until we start calling these organizations and unfortunately the Democratic Party uh, communist, then, uh, you know, let me very quickly tell you something you need to do. Google the, the 45 goals of communism introduced into the congressional records by unanimous consent in 1963 by a local congressman and read those. And you might want to talk about them on the air because most of them have been accomplished. Isn't that something? Okay. I wrote that down. Have to do a little research on that one. Uh, Wayne White, you're based out of, uh, again, central Florida and you were born and raised in Florida, right? Absolutely. And you are also a member of the United States military. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I was in the Air Force. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for me, uh, sometimes I, when I, people say, I thank you for my service, I'm a little embarrassed because I got injured. And when I got out of the hospital after 90 days, um, I was uh, asked to run the service club for airmen. And that was quite a... <laughs> 
a nice job. I didn't even wear the uniform. Oh, so, right. <laughs> it was it was a plus job. So sometimes I'm embarrassed when people say, you know, thank you for your service. But at any rate, uh, yes. And I went to school in Arizona and uh, even went to a couple of John Birch meetings and uh, never found a white supremacist that wanted to destroy the country or blow up anything. Well, you know, these terms, you're so right when you mentioned earlier, it's like a redefining of terms that's going on in our country right now. And uh, anyone who believes in the Bible right now is really being called an extremist. I am just shocked that every time I open up uh, the news and look at what's going on, it's like a new way of describing something that would someone who would believe in the goals and the values of our founders were somehow uh, bigots or racists or some other term that's being uh, aligned to anyone who believes in the the America that that my grandparents uh, introduced to me to when I was a young man it it's it's just really sad well like i said uh, mike you uh, you look at those goals in 1963 that's what i said we've been warned and we ignored it, and you go through them, you might want to talk about a few of them over a period of weeks. And believe me, that's one of them. Destroy the moral code of America. Right. Take over the schools. Capture one of the political, if not both of the uh, political parties. And they, they warned us. I mean, they gave us their plan, and we stuck our head in the sand and said, oh, no big deal. Do you have hope uh, in, as you look at 20... 20- 23 with the Congress changing. Do you see any uh, changes around the corner? Uh, I see a lot of TV time, a lot of talking. I'm so sick of talking uh, that I don't know what to do because until we come out and call these people communist, and if they deny being a communist, all you got to do is say, well, you're for this, you're for this, you're for this. And you're listing the things that communism is for then how can you not be a communist? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the uh, the Congress has had, I believe, over 600 hearings on things. Nobody's been arrested. Nobody's been fined. Nobody's gotten in trouble. But it makes good TV time. So I expect a lot of uh, talk and a lot of investigation and free TV time. But I don't, I don't expect anybody. Uh, the only person that might go to jail after all this time is Trump. And the reason is he's the one person they are scared to death of. Hmm. Well, it's going to be an interesting year for sure. Uh, A lot of drama being played out. Your book is available and tell us how people can grab that book. It's available on Amazon as a uh, paperback. It's also on the ebook and it's also on audio. Uh, And as I said, on uh, January 6th, Oddly enough, I am giving a talk in the villages at the Myona Rec Center that starts at 6 o'clock if anybody's interested in attending. Well, we have uh, a lot of folks that are listeners right in that area. Say that date one more time, Wayne. January 6th, the famous January 6th. Yeah. Uh, And it's at the Myona Rec Center. There'll be ads in the paper. Wayne White. Now, if you're looking for him and his name on the book, it's H. Wayne White Sr. And the name of the book is The Decline of America. And Wayne, we wish you the very best and a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me on. 
All right. And friends, that's all of our time for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.